Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Kevin Cruz. He's a best-selling author. He is a time management expert, a leadership expert, a seminar leader, uh, and an overall inspirational kind of person. Welcome to the show, Kevin. Jordan, thanks so much for having me. For people who haven't heard about you before, just do a brief summary of your career and how you've led up to where you are today. Sure. The uh, the short version, I'm uh, coming to you from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and uh, chilly day to day, and I've been out here uh, for about three decades as a serial entrepreneur. So early on when I was young and dumb in my 20s, I discovered uh, several ways not to grow a business, <laughs> but fortunately, by the time I was about 30, I had um, started and, and sold my first uh, tech company, and I've done about six of them. I just started my newest one about a year ago. And uh, along the way, as I sort of discovered the importance of maximizing our, our productivity, maximizing leadership as a secret to kind of building wealth, building businesses, um, I did take a pause after selling my last company and, you know, started to write some books on those subjects to, to share the message and, um, you know, back in the startup saddle, saddle again. Just give us a sense of some of the businesses you started up and sold, just to give us people an idea of what those have been. Yeah, most of them have been uh, in the, they've been human resources uh, or training technology companies. Uh, long before the the word SaaS software business was even out in the late 90s, I had started a company, uh, co-founded a company uh, in the HR technology space. And most all of the others have been, you know, online learning platforms, online education platforms, you know, in the in the digital technology space. So let's, before we get into some of the specifics you're talking about, kind of look at a broad view of both where management leadership is and where employees are these days. Is your sense that things are getting better, employees are more empowered and feeling good about their jobs and bosses are doing a better job or, or not? Well, I mean, the data is really clear, Jordan, on this. You know, the uh, what I like to, to talk about is, I mean, it's sort of a weird term, but, you know, employee engagement, which is just how engaged or how connected we feel to our jobs and the goals of our employers. And Gallup research shows that only about one in three people in North America uh, truly are connected, truly care about about their work. Uh, about another third is actively disengaged. They, they're looking for work, uh, you know, a new job. They don't like their boss. And another third somewhere just floating in the middle. And, you know, it's kind of sad because life is, is too short to be unhappy at work. And yet we've got, you know, less than half that really – uh, enjoys doing what they're doing. And it's been that way for about 25 or 30 years. I mean, I think once the the whole uh, society changed and, you know, the idea of lifelong employment is different, um, you know, people kind of broke that down and companies are looking at short-term quarterly returns rather than long-term commitments to employees and employees aren't offering any loyalty either. So what kind of a difference would it make to companies if the employees were more committed uh, and more involved and engaged in their work? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, you know, why should we care about, about any of this anyway? And again, what it shows is that what I talk about and write about is the employee engagement profit chain. 
uh, it, the data is clear that when people care about their work, they give discretionary effort, they give extra effort. So that means an engaged salesperson, you know, is going to sell just as hard on a Friday afternoon as she would on a Monday morning. Uh, an engaged customer service professional will be just as polite and patient at 5 p.m., you know, as he is at 9 a.m. Factory workers produce more and have fewer accidents and mistakes. So whether it's productivity or service or even employee retention, all those numbers improve when when people care. So engaged employees drive those hard business metrics uh, and ultimately it even affects uh, share price. You know, when customers are happier, then they're going to buy more and refer refer you more often. Uh, it's suggested, Connexa did a research study years ago that showed that engaged companies outperformed the disengaged ones five-fold on the stock market. You get five times better stockholder returns if your employees feel engaged at work. So if management understands that, and maybe they don't, but if management were to understand that, wouldn't they want employees to be more engaged? And you know, what are managers doing to have basically two-thirds of their employees either <laughs> hating their place or not very much engaged? Yeah, and this is a little bit of a puzzle for all of us in the in the space. You know, why if the results are that strong, why are two thirds of the people out there and companies out there doing it so poorly? And I think the first problem is a lot of the CEOs, a lot of the C level executives, they uh, you know it's lip service. They say that people are their most important asset, but um, let's face it, most CEOs are not in their jobs for very many years uh, these days, and so they're focused on short-term results rather than long-term results. And I think a lot of them confuse this strange term employee engagement as trying to keep people happy. Like, oh, we're just supposed to do parties and picnics, you know, more award ceremonies or casual Fridays, keep everybody happy. And you could be happy at work and not productive. And engagement's different. You know, people who truly care about their employer, I mean, I hope they're happy, but they might be a little more stressed out because they do care. They are trying so hard. And so I think it's just a misconception about what it's all about. And then even those who have the best of intentions, uh, the, the fundamental mistake is that uh, people will do an employee engagement survey. Hey, you know, how do you, how do you like it around here? And they hold all those results up at the VP level, the C level, and try to think about what's going to make it a better place to work. And the reality is all this work, most of how we feel about work, over 70% of that variance goes to who our boss is. So it's not, you know, you could have the same CEO, the same mission, vision, and values, the same compensation program, and you'll have pockets of high engagement and pockets of low engagement because it's all about the manager. So you really need to provide those survey results to your frontline managers and then train your managers, you know, how to create a culture that drives engagement. You talk a lot about how to deal with your boss, particularly if you have a bad boss, because as you say, that drives a lot of people away. Just They may like the work, but the, the environment they're working in is horrible. How should somebody who's got a bad boss, who can't escape them, deal with the situation? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, it, it'd be nice if we all had <laughs> a great, if we all worked for a great boss. And of course, that's not uh, the case for many of us. And and while it, it's unfortunate, we really need to learn how to manage up. So, the, you know, there's a lot of different drivers of engagement, but the big ones are, are growth, recognition, trust, and communication. And so if your boss isn't already 
talking to you about your career plans and what you want to be doing in one, three, five years, then you should proactively, you know, approach your boss and say, hey, don't want to interrupt you on a busy day, but, you know, can we grab a cup of coffee? Because, you know, I'd, I'd like to hear where you think my future, you know, is is going to be bright. Uh, I want to share with you my career path ambitions and see if you agree that, you know, these are good ideas or not. So you just kind of have to force that issue. Um, same with things like uh, trust isn't so much about the ethics of a company. It's about I trust that leadership has a, a bright future, a plan for our bright future. So again, you know, ideally you've got a boss that's telling you, hey, here's the mission of the company in case you've forgotten. Here's our annual goals. Here's how the work you're doing today, Jordan, aligns with our goals. That's why what you're doing is so important. But if your boss isn't that kind of person, then again, it can be up to you to say, hey, you know, um, can you remind me like all these things I'm working on this week, how do they support, you know, the the goal? How do they support your goals, the goals of the division, the goals of the company? It, it's just sort of forcing that conversation to happen. Some people, older kind of style, I guess, is working as a boss out of fear. You know, do what I say right. or you're going to get fired kind of thing. Right. Is that passe or does that still exist out there? It exists more often uh, than we might think, and, and you're right. I mean, I, um, I go into organizations all the time, and I do meet people who say, Kevin, you know, what's with all this soft, touchy-feely stuff? I say thank you every time I sign their paycheck. Or, you know, yeah. I, they put in 40 hours, I give them pay. Like, wh why does it have to be more complicated than that? And again, it's just the reality is that you will get more out of people if you give them more than that. So if you if you say, hey, give me 40 hours, I'll give you your pay and leave me alone, they'll give you the 40 hours, but they're not going to go the extra mile. They're not going to proactively think of a solution to a problem. They're not going to, uh, you know, try extra hard to make sure your customers are happy. So again, like I, trust me, I'm not a touchy feely guy myself. I mean, I was a horrible boss all through my twenties and it was only after I stumbled into some mentors who explained this to me and, and, you know, I'm an introvert, I'm, I'm a type, you know, type A driver, but I've learned that if I want my business to be super successful, my first two companies, Jordan, failed. I mean, I went out of business. Mm -hmm. Third one, you know, I went from sleeping, literally living out of my office, living out of my car, sleeping under my desk to selling the company for, you know, millions of dollars. And it's because I discovered how to lead other people. I discovered that, okay, I don't need to be the guy that has all the answers if I've got uh, great people who also care a lot about our, our shared goals. So that, that was, you know, you wish it wasn't so, but taking the time to, to talk about, you know, the mission, talk, say thank you to people, recognize them for their good efforts, uh, it, it does pay off to the bottom line. You have an organization called LeadX, and your website is leadx.org. What can people find at that website, and what is your organization about? Yeah, you know, after I sold my last company, I was in a position to really think about, you know, how do I want to spend the rest of, rest of my life, and, and how can I, you know, give back? And I decided, you know, I wanted to create an online learning platform where anybody around the world can get world-class training, you know, free of charge. And so, you know, if, if someone wants um, K through 12 education free of charge, they can go to the, the Khan Academy online for free videos. If they want to get a free education, a college education, 
MIT and others have open university that you can get college courses, but there was nothing for people who wanted to become more productive or better leaders or better salespeople or improve their customer service. Uh, and so I'm building LeadX, leadx.org. Every day we have a new free video course. As long as you've got access to the internet on your phone or tablet or whatever, you can get training uh, anywhere around the world for free. Fantastic. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Kevin Cruz. He's the author of some books we're going to get into in more detail, one about time management, uh, one about engagement. Uh, his website is, as he mentioned, leadx.org and also kevincruz.com. We'll be back after this. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Kevin Cruz. He is an author. He's an expert on management and time management. Uh, his website is kevincruz.com and also leadx.org with a lot of material about leadership. Welcome back to the show, Kevin. Thanks, Jordan. So one book you did recently called Text Me, Snap Me, Ask Me Anything, How Entrepreneurs, Consultants, and Artists Can Use the Power of Intimate Attention to Build Their Brand, Grow Their Business, and Change the World. Why did you feel it was necessary to do this particular book? Yeah, th this was sort of a... Uh a project that I, I didn't seek out to do, but as I started writing my own books and then doing speaking engagements and, and things of that nature, what people would email me with all the time is, hey, you know, how did you build your brand? I see your stuff everywhere. You're on 10 different, you know, Forbes.com, Entrepreneur.com, Inc.com, et cetera. Like, how do you build your brand? How do you build an audience? And so <laughs> after writing that, you know, long answer out, every day for a long time. I said, why don't I just collect all this into, into a book? And the whole premise is, uh, you know, unfortunately, too many people say write their book 
and then try to figure out how to market it and are frustrated when nobody buys their their book on Amazon or they decide they're going to be a public speaker or a consultant or any of these things and then are shocked at how hard it is to actually get anybody to hire them or to, to pay for them to give a speech. And, you know, my my answer, my own approach, not that it's the only way, is that, you know, I never built my audience with Facebook ads or fancy marketing or anything. All I did was I've just uh, tried to answer every single question that people ask me, whether they send it via email or they connect on Twitter or, you know, call in or leave me a message for my podcast, whatever it might be. And, you know, what I have found is over the years, you know, you answer someone's question and you now have a a friend for life and they're going to buy whatever it is you're selling. They're going to tell their friends about it. And so the book, you know, text me, snap me, ask me anything. um, That's my philosophy. I mean, anybody can, you know, text me, they can email me. And sometimes I get a little busy and it'll take me a little while to respond. But a lot of people, you know, I try to respond within, you know, 24 to 48 hours. And just by helping other people, you will build your brand, you will build your audience. And as you're helping other people and spreading your message, you know, you are creating that content that can be articles, books, podcasts, etc. So you talk in the the book about uh, athletes and various other famous people uh, who kind of project this image of being friendly, but in fact, somebody approached them to get their photo taken with them and they ignored them or they're, they're, you know, not really very receptive to being approached. Um, and what a difference it will make if even if they give them a, you know, let their picture be taken or have their uh, autograph done or something like that. So tell us the difference in people's brands if people do respond as opposed to blow people off. Yeah, and I think that you bring up a really good point, Jordan. It's sort of a sign of the times where, you know, the 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 aspect of celebrity today is that you cannot get access to them. I mean, they're so popular uh, that you don't get any access. And this so-called social media, there's very little that's social about it. It's very unusual to be able to contact uh, any, you know, anybody online that has any kind of mojo going on and actually have them respond. Most people of note use social media as a broadcast tool. And so it really, you really do feel special when someone does take the time to email you back or to answer your question on social media or somewhere else. And it doesn't take much. I mean, these people aren't looking usually for lifelong friendship, but just for them to know that you read their message, you heard them, you gave them a sentence of encouragement, you know, goes goes a long way. I think, you know, in the business world, in the marketing world, kind of the poster child for doing this well is is Gary Vaynerchuk. You know, he's running a $100 million a year company. Uh, he's got, you know, 800 employees. He's very wealthy. He's got all kinds of things going on, very busy. And yet every day, he might not get to everybody, but every day he's still responding to fans and friends and, you know, people who've reached out on all the social media platforms. And whenever he does speaking gigs, he tries to, you know, take as many questions and and take as many selfies and all the rest that, that you can. So I think while most people don't make time for their audience, their fans, or even their customers, you know, that was some of what I put in the book is I've spent thousands of dollars on... Uh, courses and materials and seminars from, you know, different business experts over the years. And when I've reached out to them personally, uh, 
I get no response. <laughs> you know, yeah. I've reached out to these people as, hey, you know, I'm a New York Times bestselling author. I would like to interview you. And by the way, I attended your $5,000 seminar, you know, last month. Don't even get a response, you know, from an assistant. Um, and so it's really amazing. And I believe me, I value I, and I respect uh, protecting your time so that you can do what you're great at. And at the same time, if you care about your brand, if you care about building your audience, the single best, easiest way to do it is be a decent human being and, you know, say hello back to people sometimes. You have a chapter about what you call the Ben Franklin effect. Um, and Ben Franklin may have been famous at the end, but he didn't start that way. Tell us about what the Ben Franklin effect is and how people can use that to build their brand. Yeah, the, the story goes that uh, Ben Franklin knew the secret that if you want someone to become your friend, if you want to turn an enemy into your friend, you ask them to do you a favor. And I want to say that again because a lot of people think it means you do a favor for your enemy. You do a favor for someone and then they'll like you. No, you flip it around. So, And the, the story is that there was somebody in the – I don't know, the, the local Continental Congress or whatever it was that was uh, opposing Ben Franklin's views. And he knew that this guy was a, a rare book collector, as was Ben Franklin. So he sent a message and said, you know, may I borrow? I know you've got this rare book in your collection. You know, may I borrow it? He asked for a favor. And the guy <laughs> was sort of flattered and, and gave him the, the rare book. And then when Ben Franklin returned it, they then started to have a very good relationship. And, it, and the psychologists talk about this having to do with identity. We do favors for our friends. Uh, we do favors for people we like. So just by the fact that this guy chose to lend the book to Ben Franklin, suddenly the identity of Ben Franklin became friend rather than foe, and they, they got along much better. And I have found, practically speaking, this to be true. You know, I like a lot of... Um, a lot of people, I've got uh, a weekly email newsletter. You know, people go to kevincruz.com, they sign up, and once a week I send an email out. And w one of the things I do routinely is I will ask a favor in my emails. You know, I might say, hey, I'm taking the kids to Jackson Hole, Wyoming for, Wyoming for vacation in two weeks. I've never been there. If anybody has any recommendations for restaurants or things to do, let me know. And I'll get hundreds of responses back from people who have been to Jackson Hole or know somebody, and I'll read them, and I will answer all of those, you know, people. Hey, thanks. Hey, it's a good idea. Or, yep, went to that restaurant. You know, really appreciate it. And I ask questions like that all the time. You know, I ask for help how to name my next book. Uh, does anybody want to evaluate one of our new courses on LeadX? Uh, does anybody have a question that I can read on our podcast? And I'm shocked. I mean, but I will get about – 10 to 15% of my total audience will respond and help me out every week, every other week. And again, I always thank them, and I think it really strengthens that relationship. Quite amazing. You have a chapter at the end of your book about beggars, crazies, and stalkers. So <laughs> wh what are some things that you have to watch out for when people are asking you for money or propositioning you or doing all kinds of other crazy things? How do you deal with those kind of people? Yeah, I mean, I think when... Um, if you adopt this philosophy that I do, that you know, I, I always say, you know, life isn't about uh, making an income; it's about making an impact, an impact on others. And of course, the irony there, Jordan, is, as we both know, is like the more of an impact you make, the more value you provide. Well, the more money comes back to you anyway. It's almost like 
uh, you can't stop it. You can't stop from the wealth happening if you are providing tremendous value. So if you take this approach and make yourself very accessible, you do get a variety of things that are a little unusual. So, you know, I, I do get once or twice a year people who, you know, say that they're suicidal and they don't know what to do. And, uh, uh, you know, how do you answer something like that? You get people, some people who are, um, who are angry. You get people who ask you for money. And I think that in general, I mean, in terms of the, the suicide, I always, I always respond to those people and say, you know, I'm, I'm not a, a doctor or trained uh, to help you. And if you truly feel like you might harm yourself, please, you know, call 911 or your local, you know, hotline. Um, and uh, I, I don't try to play the role of a therapist or anything since I'm not qualified. And these other people, I mean, I, you know, I do respond to them. I just, but, but you have to be firm and let people know that I do have a annual budget for my charitable giving and it's already allocated. You know, I can't respond to everybody that asks me for, for money. But I will also add that, you know, the very end of the book, I talk about um, how my life changed when I got an, an email out of the blue uh, from a woman named Gussie LaGene Criddle. And that name was so weird to me. And it was like a one-line email that I thought, like, is this some spam or or someone that's contacting me from a foreign country? And don't, like, I wasn't sure what was going on. And all these like negative thoughts, you know, like they're going to ask me for money. They're going to ask me, you know, they're asking for help. But I did respond. And um, it turns out it was someone who um, had cancer and, and wasn't able to speak and was looking for ways to make extra money to take care of her family. And I gave some suggestions. Um, and I never heard back from that person. And And I will admit, Jordan, it wasn't my finest time that you know, every now and then I'd get a strange email or an email asking me for something. And I would think about this strange, you know, person, Gussie Lejeune Criddle, like, God, were they, were they even real or was that some scam thing? And then they went away when they didn't like my answer. And um, it must have been over a year after this little strange email exchange. And I got another email out of the blue. And uh, it was a woman who said, I don't know if you're going to remember, but my mom reached out to you. Her name was Gussie Lejeune Criddle. And she said, I don't... Um, uh, she she never had a chance to try your advice because the cancer came back and she passed away. She said, right. but I wanted to let you know that um, you gave her hope again, you know, in her in her final months. And wow. I mean, I just started crying when I got that email. And and to this day, like as we're doing this interview, I'm looking down on the bottom of my monitor, and I've got um, it's like a four sentence obituary from Gussie Lejeune Criddle. It's taped wow. to my monitor. I never met her, never spoke to her. This was yeah. years ago. And every morning I read the obituary as a reminder, like just assume everybody has the best intent and, and you might get taken advantage of a little bit, but you're also going to be given hope to a lot of people. And I thought that was a good life lesson for me. It's a very positive lesson indeed. So once you've got this following as you've created here, and say somebody else does something similar in whatever field right. they may be. What is a good way to monetize it? I mean, the money just doesn't come in automatically. You've got to offer something right. to people that they find a value. What is a good way to monetize that all that good feeling you've built up? Great question. Yeah, and I, you know, I've used this idea of content marketing and providing value with asking for very little in return for both my kind of book, you know, author speaker business and also my, you know, $20 million a year tech companies, it's the same approach. Um, and when it comes to like what you're going to sell, 
I always think about having a value ladder so that there's low risk, uh, affordable things on the bottom of the ladder. And then as people get to know you, like you and trust you, they want to buy more from you and they go further up the ladder. So an individual solopreneur, maybe the first thing is a free ebook. Doesn't cost anything and you give them an ebook. Maybe the $10 item is a, a Kindle book that they get from Amazon. Maybe the $100 item is uh, an online you know, uh, course. Maybe a $1,000 item is an online course with group coaching phone calls. And maybe there's a $10,000 mastermind. So you've gone from like literally $10 to $100 to 1000 to 10000 different price points as people grow with you and increase their trust. So as they get closer to you, they're willing to pay more is what you're saying. Absolutely. Very good. All right, we're going to take another break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Kevin Cruz. He's the author of several books, an entrepreneur, uh, and his website is kevincruz.com and also regular uh, information about leadership at leadx.org. We'll be back after this. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Kevin Cruz. He's the author of several books. His organization is called LeadX.org, and you can also find out more about all of what he offers, a lot of which is free, at KevinCruz.com. Welcome back to the show, Kevin. Thanks, Jordan. So you did another book called 15 Secrets Successful People Know About Time Management, and you interviewed billionaires and Olympic athletes and uh, straight-A students and entrepreneurs. Before we get into some of the details, what does most people do wrong in managing their time? <laughs> well, you know, I think what most people, again, when I was young and dumb in my 20s, you know, I thought I could just hustle my way to success. And so, you know, eight hours a day wasn't enough. So I'd work 16, five days a week wasn't enough. I'd work seven. And I think this fundamental thing, I mean, hard, I, I still work hard. I'm not afraid of hard work, but there's working hard and there's working smart and there are diminishing returns. You know, we're not as fresh uh, when we're working, you know, at the end of our 12-hour day, as we were at the beginning of that 12-hour day, we're not as fresh, you know, when we're sacrificing sleep and workouts or not eating right. And so I think, you know, people often, entrepreneurs especially, but any hard-charging business professionals, 
often think, you know, we can just push ourselves harder. You know, we'll, we'll sleep when we're dead, <laughs> but it doesn't work that way. I mean, if you want to be creative, if you want to be strategic, if you want to build strong relationships, you know, quality does matter more than quantity. And again, it's a lesson I really didn't understand for a lot of years, uh, but I was able to, you know, using these principles, I went from, you know, I was working 100 hours a week to do a million dollars a year. And then when I put these principles into place, I was working 32 hours a week, one third the hours, and we were doing 12 million a year. So 12 times the results with one third uh, the effort. And uh, so I, people think I'm joking when I say, you know, you could literally double your productivity. I had like a 36x productivity when I uh, applied it to my own business world. So let's come to some of the specific things. Some, some of these things are kind of counterintuitive, but we'll try them anyway. <laughs> I say stop making to-do lists. I mean, people think that to become productive, you have to know exactly the right to-do list. Why should you not do a to-do list? I was shocked by this too. And this is the one secret that I get the most, you know, negative email and never gets all all up in arms because we've all been taught uh, it's and lately like getting things done. GTD is the most uh, uh, popular program out there. We've all been taught your calendar is for scheduled appointments and phone calls, meetings, and then your to-do list is for your task, things to do. And then there's, you know, you organize them. My things are an A, a B, a C. Well, when I was interviewing all these people, you know, I, just, I was just asking open-ended questions. Hey, Mark Cuban, what's your number one secret of productivity? You know, hey, um, Dustin Moskovitz, co-founder of Facebook, what's your number one secret of productivity? All these people. I was about halfway through, and none of them mentioned a to-do list at all. They were saying all kinds of crazy things, but not a to-do list. So then I started doing a follow-up, and they said, well, we don't use a to-do list. If we want to do something, we put it on our calendar. And it's a subtle but profound difference. Um, basically, highly successful, extremely productive people, they're chunking their day into 10 or 15-minute bites of time. And if they want to do something, they pick a day, a time, a duration, and they schedule it. And then every day, you just live off that calendar. And uh, I, again, it was hard for me to adapt, but it's made a world of difference. And that's probably what I receive more email on than any other thing I've written is about people who said, oh, my God, that was the dumbest idea I ever heard until I tried it. And, you know, it just changed my life. And so the idea is schedule it. Don't list it. Put it on your calendar, not on a to do list. Great. Uh, you also have what you call the procrastination cure. Why do people procrastinate and what can people do to get around it so they actually get things done? Yeah, well, there's there's different types of procrastination and uh, uh, you know different different styles, but fundamentally, I talk about <clears throat> you need to, you know, one effective technique is to to kind of time travel to do battle against your future self. And what I mean is, you know, let's say uh, I want to get in shape, so I've decided I'm going to wake up and go jogging every day, which I hate to do. You know, I generally will wake up and procrastinate. It's like, okay, well, I'm tired. I'll do it in the afternoon. I'll do it tonight. Oh, I'm feeling a little sick. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it this weekend. We procrastinate. We put it off. And if I truly sit here and then project into tomorrow morning, all right, how will that evil Kevin Cruz tomorrow jeopardize my plan to run, jeopardize my goal to get into shape for the new year? He's going to say, you know, oh, it's too cold out. He's going to say whatever. He's going to hit the snooze button. So now you do battle with that future self. So I'm going to 
put my smartphone on the other end of the room so I have to get out of bed to shut off that alarm. And I'm going to put my sneakers and jogging stuff so that I'm literally stepping on it when I get out of bed. Maybe I'm even going to put my my shorts and my shirt on and sleep in it so I'm already dressed. All I have to do is put on my shoes. Um, I, you just kind of plan ahead. I've got a friend who she always knows she doesn't want to eat uh, too many carbs, too many French fries or whatever that might be. And that's her intent. That's what she wants to do. But she knows when it gets to lunch and she's at that restaurant and they bring her, you know, a a sandwich and fries on the side, her future self is going to sabotage her plans. So she thinks about it. She's like, all right, what I'm going to do as soon as that plate shows up, if they bring fries, I'm going to open up that salt shaker and I'm going to dump the whole salt shaker all over those fries so it ruins them. They're just covered in that. So it sounds crazy, but like the more you can think about how you're going to put off that plan in the future, you know, uh, then, then you can set up a system to sort of battle yourself when the time comes. So you talked to a lot of famous people in doing this book. Uh, one of them was Richard Branson, the head of uh, Virgin, and he has a secret productivity cool, tool. What is that? Yeah, no, it's uh, I for for the book I didn't interview Branson. I do share something he revealed in an interview, and then he and I had a back and forth about the uh, that calendar uh, topic. But his tool, which I think is great, is a notebook. He says what helps him more than any other tool build the Virgin brands, the Virgin companies, is a notebook. And there's a little bit of a debate around should it be a digital notebook, should it be a paper notebook. I'm a paper kind of guy. Uh, I think there's something powerful still putting pen to paper. Um, and it's just this idea, and this is what David Allen and Getting Things Done is doing right, teaching people, get it out of your head and put it down onto paper. And I'm learning to journal, to write more and more. I'm 50 years old now, and like every decade, I'm now realizing, oh, I've got to do more, and I've got to do more. If I read an inspirational quote, I write it down. If I'm reading a business book and there's an interesting idea, I won't just take a note in the book. I'll put it in the notebook. Um, I take notes around every phone call, every meeting, and it really becomes like a diary of your life. You know, I'm looking up at my bookshelf right now, and I've got 20 of these uh, uh, notebooks up on the shelf, and I could just flip through and kind of see where I was, who was I with, what company was I, you know, working in, what are some of the wisdom and lesson lessons that I've written down, and if you do it right, you know, you've really created kind of like a legacy for your children or others who might be, you know, interested in in what you got out of life along the way. You have a lot to say about meetings uh, from Google and from Apple and Mark Cuban. How can you have a productive meeting, and what is a time-wasting meeting? Yeah, the that was the funny thing. You know, you ask Mark Cuban, tell me, you know, what's the number one secret to your productivity? In typical Mark Cuban fashion, he says, never take a meeting unless someone's writing you a check, <laughs> yes. which um, we're not all billionaires, and we can't all, like, be that strict about it. And I'm sure Cuban has plenty of meetings related to the Mavericks or Shark Tank or whatever it is. Um, but the the point, like, forget about those details. The point is meetings are so inefficient. You know, in most of them start late. They run long. They go off on tangents. Uh, if they're just informational, well, why couldn't you have sent that in an email? There's so many wrong things with meetings. So one of the, the things is, you know, try to, try to just don't go to any meetings. That's the Mark Cuban rule. Now, another rule would be if you can't get out of meetings all the time, can you get out of meetings like, say, one day a week? So 
many companies now have like no meeting Wednesdays or no meeting Fridays. Um, it's just kind of a cultural norm that that's the one day everybody's going to have their head down, focused. It's time to make stuff, work on stuff, and if if possible, don't don't do meetings. I like um, relegating meetings to the afternoons. So in my own companies. We create in the morning, we collaborate in the afternoon, or we make in the morning, we manage in the afternoon is another way to think about it. Because cognitively, we are at our sharpest. We are mentally at our best in the morning, most of us. It's not all, but it's like 90% of us. And what a shame it is that we roll into the work and the first thing we do is we go check email. You know, it's low cognitive load, and we're, but it feels productive. We're answering people, we're emptying our inbox. We sign expense reports. We walk around, ask people how their how their day's going. All that stuff's good stuff, but it's better for the afternoon when our energy is starting to lag, our brain's starting to lag. You want to use your morning hours for non-meetings. You know, you want to you want to do that productive work. And if you're in a meeting, why do they always have to be an hour long? Why do they always have to be 30 minutes long? Um, Silicon Valley, they're notorious for. 10-minute stand-up meetings, 20-minute huddles, or even walking meetings. You want to meet? Great. Let's go outside and walk around the building and get some air and oxygenate our brain, and away we go. You also talk about the Pareto principle, which is the classic 80-20 rule. How does that apply And when people determine how to allocate their time using the Pareto principle? Yeah, that's, I mean, it's, it's like you said, I think a lot of people know of the 80-20 rule and not a lot of us remember to practice it. And just to realize, you know, it's that classic thing that, that 80% of the benefits generally come from about 20% of the, the people, the tasks, the resources. And if you honestly look at everything you're doing, you know, this week in your business or whatever it is, you can think about what are the handful of things that are giving you most of the benefit. And you know, this is a silly example, Jordan, but this happens even in our personal lives. If I think about uh, myself and my neighbors are outside, you know, yards, then, um, you know, like I've got neighbors that spend countless hours on the weekend, you know, pruning every bush and doing every little thing. Myself, it's like the, the lawn is mowed and the bushes get whacked once a year and it's pretty good. Do I look as good as the neighbors? No, but I'm only doing about 20% of the time they're putting in uh, as well. So, you know, whether it's at home with our chores and our tasks or whether it's at work, look at all the things you're spending your time on. Well, most of it's coming from just a handful of things. Focus on those things and try to delegate or push off those other things to other people. You had a whole conversation with a lot of Olympic athletes. What was the common theme of somebody who's really got to focus on one specific thing and do it really, really well? Yeah, it's it was it cracked me up because you know each group I I talked to kind of had a big thing, and the Olympic athletes they slept more than any other group. They brought up like sleeping and napping and sleeping for twelve hours, all this stuff. But of course. It wasn't being lazy. It wasn't slacking. It wasn't even sleep. They call it uh, rest, you know, recharge, recover. And because they were working out so much and taxing their bodies physically so much, they need and value that rest and recovery. But even though we're not Olympic athletes, well, I don't know about you, Jordan. I'm not an Olympic athlete. There's still a lot to be said for that. It's like protecting that rest and recharge time. You can't just go, go, go nonstop. Indeed. All right. Very good. We're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. 
My guest this hour is Kevin Cruz. His website, kevincruz.com. Also, he has a website, leadx.org. The book we just spoke about is called 15 Secrets Successful People Know About Time Management. We'll be back after this. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Kevin Cruz. He's an author. Uh, he's a motivational speaker. He's an entrepreneur. Uh, he helps people with leadership, with time management, all kinds of wonderful things. Welcome back to the show, Kevin. Thanks, Jordan. So let's going to go through a bunch of different areas that you've talked about in the past. One of those is work-life balance. You wrote something about different entrepreneurs have it figured out how to get the right work-life balance. So how can people do that since it's so easy to just work all the time? Well, I think, um, you know, I, to me, it's more about a work-life blend, a work-life integration. You know, this day and age, I mean, it is tough because we now have, <laughs> you know, these supercomputers in our pockets, our, our smartphones that both help us to get work done outside of the office or, you know, no matter where we are, but also means we're tethered to it. Uh, if the boss is calling or a client needs something. And so it's both a curse and a blessing. So to me, it's more about uh, integration. I think this idea of of having a nine to five kind of job and leaving work back in the office is not very realistic if you want to stay uh, competitive. But I am a big believer in also, you know, boundaries. Uh, you know, I think that having, this goes back to that calendar principle, you know, having everything scheduled, including, you know, if, if whatever you value, if you value your your spouse, well, then schedule date night at least once a week. If you value your kids, you know, put their games and performances or whatever on on that calendar. Um, keep You've got to break yourself from that Pavlovian dog response where when your phone buzzes, you look to see what it is, whether it's a text message or a game calling you back to it. You know, the, the, the app developers do everything they can to interrupt you and get your attention back. They're really good at it. 
And I think that that kind of always on, always responding to the the beck and call of, of the phone is the thing that's really killing us and stressing us out more than anything. So whether it's just put your phone on, you know, mute or airplane mode, you know, when you're at the dinner table, when you're spending quality time with people and just setting boundaries on things. Yeah. You talk about covert psychology tactics you can use for persuasion, uh, how you can be persuasive in a subtle way that takes advantage of natural human psychology and does not make you feel sleazy or manipulative. How do you do that? Yeah, I don't um, recall <laughs> ex- exactly the the, um, the the piece you're talking about, but I am. Uh, I've always been fascinated with persuasion and uh, and and influence, and you know, I think that it's fascinating to to see in politics today, for sure, but also in entertainment. Um, you know, one of the the first principles is attention. I mean, you cannot persuade if somebody doesn't know you exist, and it's almost inevitable that you're going to persuade if you're constantly taking up, you know, their their mental energy. And so, if you're a solopreneur, an entrepreneur, that's again comes back into content marketing. You know, you need to be in people's email inbox or their social media feeds or their their LinkedIn. You know, wherever your audience hangs out, you need to be there and capturing uh, their their attention. The um, uh, you know, among other persuasion techniques and things, it's it's affirming their dreams. You know, what do they want? When I um, was getting ready to market the time management book, I just asked, you know, my audience, what would you do if you had an extra hour of the day? I just asked them. It was like reading their mind, you know, without but but being upfront about it. And I tallied up the responses. And the number one response, which I would not have predicted, was they would read. If they had an extra hour, they would read more. Number two was exercise. Number three was sleep. And so when I put on the back cover of my book and in all of my bookmarking, I always say, imagine if you had more time to read, exercise, and sleep. And so, you know, I think a lot of persuasion is just understanding what is it that your, your audience really wants? Like, who do they want to become in the future? What do they wish they had? And then, you know, uh, promise it, you know, and deliver and and promise it and deliver. Interesting. Yeah, you were getting feedback and you respond to that feedback in a positive way. That's right. So you had a section on um, habits millionaires use for ultra productive days. And you say one of the keys is to invest in themselves as their first priority. Is that something that's hard for people to do? They're always giving themselves to others and not thinking about themselves? Well, yeah, and I think that um, I think that when you're successful, then you're still putting out usually. Uh, and when you're before you're successful, you think you don't have the money to invest in yourself. Um, you probably have the time, but you don't have the money. And you know, that's something it's hard to justify. But ever since you know I was in my teens, if there was a book that I thought I could get one new idea from, I would buy it and read it. If there was a course, you know, I would I'd buy it and, and read it. I, I think, um, and it's, it's you know, you do get burned. I mean, sometimes you spend money and you don't get back from it. But even like I think about last year, 2017, there's a uh, marketing consultant out there. I'm not allowed to even say his name. He has a horrible website. He only does business by referral but he has worked with some of the top magicians in the United States and the world, some of the top business authors. Like if you just looked at the New York Times bestseller list, he's the marketing advisor to more than half of them. And I 
called him up and he said, okay, I'm going to, we're going to have a bunch of phone calls and then I'm going to give you your positioning and it's $15,000. And, you know, I almost choked. Like he was basically saying he makes $7,000 an hour or something. And I consider my, and he has no guarantee. You pay up front. There's no guarantees. He could have disappeared, whatever. He could just give you something on a napkin. And I did it, you know, because he had enough credibility working with these other people that I was like, okay, if I can get one more speaking engagement by working with this guy, he will have paid for himself. And, and was so it I think, worth it? Um, I did not enjoy the experience, <laughs> and I think it was worth it. Now, it's a little early to tell because it just ended, like it was a couple months ago, and I'm putting into practice his recommendations now. But I'm a guy that writes marketing books that has had some success, you know, marketing, and yet he did um, – see things in my own brand uh, and in my own story that I didn't see myself. And it was almost one of those things where like, um, you know how Jordan, you can't edit your own essay because you're yeah. just too close to it. Yeah. Even if somebody, you know, again, I'll pat myself on the back, thinks, oh, I'm a marketing genius. I can't edit my own marketing. Like I just can't see it. And so I mean, this is the most expensive consulting advisor thing I've ever done, um, but I don't regret it, and I, I'm pretty sure it's going to be worth it. Interesting. You talk about accountability and having a pairing accountability with coaching. What can people do to have accountability partners to make things actually get done and they don't have excuses not to do things? Yeah, you know, this is – I got a, a, an old friend who's now a sports psychologist, and he says the research is so clear – by far and away, the single best thing you can do if you want to like stick to that exercise program is get a coach or get a buddy. So whether you hire uh, a fitness coach who's going to you know show up at the same time every day to kick your butt in the gym or whether it's your next door neighbor who you say, all right, I'm going to meet you at 6 a.m. and we're going to go jogging around the neighborhood every day, having an accountability partner is key because apparently – we are very quick to break a promise to ourselves. It's that evil future version again. I'm going to go jogging at six in the morning. And then Kevin wakes up and says, no, you're not. You're going to hit the snooze button. But I'm really reluctant to disappoint my neighbor or to lie to my neighbor. If my neighbor's out there at 6 a.m., I'm going to feel horrible if I'm not out there supporting them. So that's, you know, whether it's fitness or you want to write a novel or you're starting your company or you're trying to hit a million dollars as a sales professional – Pairing up with either a professional coach or a peer who's trying to do something similar, one of the most powerful things you can do to stay on track. We have about a minute to go. Why don't you kind of summarize what we've talked about here and what kind of a difference it'll make in people's lives if they take into account your time management systems and everything we've been talking about in the last hour? Yeah, for me, it comes down to this. Uh, is you know Whether you want a successful family, a successful financial portfolio, a successful business, um, it starts with self-leadership. And so you need to lead yourself first and control your time. Time is life. We only have 1,440 minutes in the day. Most of us are not that mindful of them. So I think, you know, it's about being mindful of that time and leading yourself in all areas of your life. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much. My guest this hour has been Kevin Cruz. Uh, you can find out more at his website, which is kevincruz.com. And also get free daily information about leadership at leadx.org. Thanks so much for being a great guest on Money Answer Show, Kevin. Thanks, Jordan. We'll be back again next week with another edition of the Money Answer Show. Goodbye for now.
Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.